You're listening to Healthy Mompreneurs Get Wealthy podcast with Kathy Richards, RD. I've had over 20 years of experience coaching clients and now busy mompreneurs get healthier and ultimately wealthier. On this podcast, I'll be sharing with you my self-love journey back to health as I'm coming out the other side of years of stress and challenges, living with a spouse, suffering from mental health issues, suffering a concussion, living with post-concussion syndrome, terminal illnesses within my close family members, a divorce, a death in my family, and all three kids under the age of eight. If anyone can show you how to thrive and not just survive through challenges and setbacks, it's me. So follow my journey here. So low FODMAP. What is low FODMAP? Basically, a low FODMAP diet avoids foods containing certain sugars and certain fibers capable of causing diarrhea, constipation, gas, bloating, and abdominal pain in people with irritable bowel syndrome. So it stands for fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. So that's a lot of words to say that these foods do that fermentation. So the five types of FODMAPs have several things in common. They can be poorly absorbed during the digestive process. They're rapidly fermented by the bacteria that live in your gut. So basically, they're capable of pulling fluid into the gut in a process called osmosis. That increased fluid load, along with the type and amount of gas produced, caused distension, changes in motility, how your food is moving, leading to bouts of irritable bowel symptoms, Mind you, symptoms are often delayed until hours after eating a high FODMAP meal or snack because it takes time for the FODMAPs to make their way through the stomach and into the intestines where the effects occur. So basically, by reducing the overall dietary load of these carbohydrates, troublesome gastrointestinal symptoms can be minimized or eliminated. So how I explain it to my clients is all these foods ferment in everyone when they eat them. But something's happened in the gut of a person that is having symptoms where their threshold. So if you think about it like a bucket, all these foods are eaten, all these fermentable, healthy foods are eaten. They go into that bucket and someone that has a sensitive um, system and responds to the food differently, basically their threshold in that bucket has changed. So they're not able to handle the food um, or those fermentable carbohydrates as well, and then they get the symptoms. So what is a FODMAP diet? Basically, it's a learning diet where you're taking away those foods and you're trying to see how different FODMAP foods affect you. Um, So you remove them for three to eight weeks in the first phase. It's a three-phase process to see what foods really um, have the effect on you. Before you remove the foods, I would encourage you for at least three days up to a week to track what you would normally eat, time of day, what you're eating, how your bloating is, what your bowels are like. We look at stress and sleep. I'm going to go into signs and symptoms in my next episode. But don't jump into a low FODMAP without doing a little bit of pre-work beforehand because then you may not see the improvement that's really there. So I've had clients in the past who've jumped in they and they feel like, well, it hasn't improved my symptoms as much as I thought it would. But when we look back, they're bloating. They were rating it like on 
a scale of 1 to 10, they're rating it an 8 out of 10. Once they removed the FODMAP foods, their bloating was a 4 out of 10. So definitely there was improvement. And in that case, that might be someone that stays on a low FODMAP diet a bit longer in an in a effort to heal their gut a bit more. So basically, if you figure out when you do a low FODMAP diet and then you reintroduce. So when you reintroduce you're going to have a food, you're going to see what the effects are. If the effects are still there, you're going to remove that food, have a washout period, and then go on with trying to reintroduce that food again or a different FODMAP food. The goal is to get you the most varied diet, but be able to pinpoint exactly what foods affect you. And then you still have the choice, right, at the end of the day to eat the food if you know that it has that effect on you. But it's to kind of give the gut some rest Sometimes after the gut has some time to rest and heal that bacteria, we can add things in like probiotics, which help after we've already done the FODMAP approach. And some people are really able to reintroduce most foods back into their diet and maybe in a smaller quantity. So it's been around for a while. There's lots of books and things on the internet about FODMAP. Most of the research for FODMAP comes out of Monash University um, in Australia And that's where I would go if you were going to do a low FODMAP approach. They have a great app. I think it was $7 when I bought it, but that was probably 10 years ago now. And it's probably, I think, $12 now. Um, But the FODMAP app lets you walk through the foods that have FODMAP. So you can look it up by food. It tells you how much of each food you could consume. So if an avocado has FODMAP once you get over an eighth of an avocado. But it can really show you how you can limit the portions and still include more things. It shows you um, red, green, and yellow, like based on how much FODMAP it has in it. They have some excellent recipes in there for um, breakfast, lunch, snacks, desserts, dinners. So it really gives you a good rounded approach if you're going to do low FODMAP, something that you can carry with you, take a quick look to see if there's any FODMAP ingredients. Um, sometimes I find with people when FODMAP's been tried and it hasn't worked, they're still getting FODMAP ingredients in their food. So it's important to make sure that you kind of get aware of what FODMAP ingredients are. Zorbitol, mannitol, any of the sugar alcohols, those are things that often sneak in to medications, vitamin waters, um, some supplements. So those are things people may be unknowingly introducing and then feeling like it's a food that's affecting their symptoms, but really it's coming from a supplement or some kind of extra thing that they're taking. Um, So what you would do is you would follow the low FODMAP diet, and then you would reintroduce things and see how they work. And it's a step-by-step process, and that's where working with someone that's trained in FODMAP diets or a dietitian that has good knowledge of that would be your best bet. So that's what low FODMAPs are. I definitely know that I have a trigger with some foods and I tend to get more gas. So my plan is for the next three days to be really diligent at tracking my food, tracking my bowels, tracking my symptoms. And then from there, make the decision whether I'm going to introduce the low FODMAP diet as part of this journey or if I'm just going to have awareness around what those high FODMAP foods are. So stay tuned. In the next episode, I'm going to walk you through that sign and symptom tracker that I would use my clients to see if FODMAP's for them. If you want to look for the app, it's Monash Food or FODMAP app. 
Um, so it looks like in the test sign, it's a blue background, but it's the best resource because they're updating as they're doing their research. If you go online, you'll see lots of different lists, but then they contradict each other. And that's because the research is ongoing and things have changed since that one list has been produced. So whenever you get a book or you look up a list that's not been updated, remember those are static things. And nutrition and science is dynamic. So it's always changing. So that's why it's good to find something that automatically updates. That's why I use the practice evidence-based nutrition database that I have access to because it's updating things as new research comes out. And then I'm able to share the most up-to-date information with my clients. So stay tuned that science and symptoms tracker or episode is next. And I'll be able to link you guys to a blog post, which walks you through that as well.